Hey, Teresa. Yes, Travis. I tried to do that exercise where you put the weights on your shoulders. How'd it go? Turns out I don't know squat. It's Schmanners. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello. Happy 2017. Thanks. Happy 2017 to you as well. Happy New Year. Is it weird to wish you a happy... No, well, I'm I mean, wishing you a happy 2017. That yeah, works. that's a new year. It's still the new year. I mean, I suppose you could wish someone happy new year... I think I think you can wish them maybe up to six months and then I think at 183 days. <laughs> Why is that? Well, because that's halfway through. Now it's an old year. Now oh you're yeah, on the other no. end of it. I mean, you know what I mean, no, that okay. I guess I didn't do the math right because I said six months and you said 180. We hate this. You know, it's the same thing. Six of one, half dozen of the other. Quite. Literally. <laughs> oh, my God. Little loopy. Uh, sorry, this episode's coming up a little bit late. I mean, listen, it's going to be inconsistent. Somewhere between Friday and Monday, from now on, you'll get a schmanners. <laughs> oh, we goodness. got this little uh, little nugget of joy here. She's joining us here in the studio. Um, hi, BB. We had a great uh, New Year's Eve. She went with us, went to a friend's wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, we went out to a speakeasy party, and she was just a hit. She's a real... She's a real trooper. She slept most of the time. It was great. <laughs> it was amazing, you guys. But so speaking of 2017, um, when we were thinking of topics, you know, we were talking about New Year's resolutions. And of course, I would say probably the most common resolution is some form of like, I'm going to lose weight or get in shape or... Or just get healthy. Just get... Well, that's what it should be, right? Everybody's goal should be to be healthy and happy. And right. whatever that means for them is whatever that means for them. But I don't think that there's any right way for your body to look or how it's supposed to look. Mm-hmm. It's like, can you walk up and down stairs without breathing hard? Which, let me tell you, I am working on. That <laughs> <laughs> is a personal goal for Travis McRoy um, and well, that kind of thing. Yeah, you know? so, I mean, getting fit, uh, getting back in shape, in whatever shape that happens to be. Is is a common New Year's resolution, so I thought we would talk about gym etiquette because a gym is really where a lot of our exercise in today's world takes place. We have largely sedentary lives outside of that, so most people go to the gym to get their exercise on. I will say just as a side note, uh, and I know maybe this is putting the cart before the horse, but now I'll give you my thoughts on gyms. Um, as someone who has signed up for many subscriptions to gyms and then promptly stopped going after about two months. I think that really you need to take stock of yourself. I think there are lots of people who thrive in gyms, who love going to gyms. And I think there are other people who feel like they hate going to the gym so they can't exercise. Hmm. And I feel like there are lots that there's an in-between there of like, you know, I have been trying to, um, you know, over the last couple of days, when I think about it, stand up from my desk and kind of run in place for a couple of minutes and do some jumping jacks and then sit back down and go to work. Make sure I, you know, get my step count up. That kind Get of your thing. heart rate in. Exactly. Exactly. There is not, you don't have to go to a gym to exercise. But I do understand that for some people that going to the gym is what motivates them to, to exercise. Mm-hmm. So like that's, that's who we're talking about. I don't think that there's, 
a, a a fiber of either of our beings that would like shame people for not going to the gym ever. Yeah, because you know I, mean? I don't go to the gym. Exactly. So a little bit about um, New Year's resolutions first, and then I'll go into the gym. Um, so the Babylonians are supposedly the first people to make New Year's resolutions, um, although they didn't have a new year in January. Their new year started in uh, mid-March or so because that's when the crops were planted. That must have been confusing that they had to buy new calendars, but then their new year still wasn't for another three months. Uh, no, because what? the January-based calendar didn't mm-hmm. start Go until on. Rome. Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> calendars on the next episode. This new year was during a 12-day religious festival. Um, where the Babylonians crowned their new king, or they reaffirmed their growing loyalty to their regular, their reigning king. And uh, during this festival, they made their promises to the gods that they would pay their debts and return any objects that they had borrowed. I see. Okay. So, I like this. So by pledging these things in promises to the gods, um, they would get favor bestowed on them throughout the next year i assume Perhaps if a good, they did it a good harvest if you promise the god i'm going to return bob's lawnmower and then you don't do it like the gods probably get pretty po'd well right yeah i mean you you make a promise to a god i think that you better keep it true so um speaking of rome i told you earlier that the january based calendar didn't start until emperor julius caesar i've heard of him yes yeah he Mm -hmm. tinkered with their their calendar around uh 46 bce he named it for janus which is the two-faced god whose spirit inhabits doorways and arches and uh, the reason is because the two faces face opposite directions, so it can say goodbye to the previous year and hello to the new one. Gotcha. Um, there was some more tinkering to go onto the calendar. Um, when we talk about the Gregorian calendar, that was more of a, a, a papal decree. Um, and for these earlier Christians... The new year became the traditional occasion for thinking about your mistakes and resolving to do better, right? But in the medieval era, uh, knights especially took the peacock vow. Go on. Which was their uh, reaffirmation of their commitment to chivalry. Um, And uh, this took place at a lot of watch night services. But why was it a peacock vow? That's because they're French. They're the, the Normans. Is known for being super chivalrous? I mean... I assume if you tell me they made a peacock vow, they're going to wear their hair as tall as they can. <laughs> it's called a peacock vow. Okay. Um, so this this midnight ser- this watch night service um, includes scri- reading from the scriptures and hymns, and it was a spiritual altern- alternative to the raucous celebrations held on new year's eve gotcha one last uh religious parallel to the new year's resolution is in judaism's new year rosh hashanah 
you use you do go through the high holidays and then it culminates in Yom Kippur, which is the day of atonement, and that is the day to reflect on your wrongdoings and both seek and offer forgiveness. And right? then Fat Tuesday, right? No, that's a different one. Oh, okay. Well, so here's the thing about New Year's resolutions that if I might give a bit of advice, and I know that this isn't normally the kind of advice we give on this show, but we're early enough now that you can you can change your resolutions. It's not like a birthday wish. You can change it whenever you want. <laughs> Um, my advice would be this: Don't hold yourself. Like, for example, if you said if you said your New Year's resolution was "I'm going to exercise every day," that's very easy to fail at. You know what I mean? Because the problem is, if you miss a day, you've already failed, mm-hmm. and then it's very easy for you to then give up and not hold yourself to the standard. So, if you said "I'm going to exercise every time I think about it," I'm going to exercise more. I'm going to eat better. Not like. I'm going to only eat salads. You know what right. I mean? I, I definitely agree in setting attainable goals. You know what my resolution is every year. Floss more. Floss more. It always works. But you would think by this point, my love, you'd be flossing just left and right. Every time I looked over you, you'd be <laughs> flossing. I, it doesn't say floss more than last year. It okay. just says floss more. It's not, more. Ex- not floss exponentially more. Exactly. Oh, what, what killed her? Floss. <laughs> So on to gyms. So let me take you back to Athens. Okay. 2,500 years ago. Okay. I don't remember it. If you were to go to a gym, what do you think it would look like? An arena? Mm, okay. No, oh, do I have to keep going? Keep going. It would be stone? Just, I want you to... No, I want <laughs> you to... be lions there? No. Describe the actual gym area. The um, athletic place. I think it was just like a track and field kind of thing. Right? Oh, you're no fun. Yes. I, I'm not dumb. <laughs> I History and especially Roman and Greek history was my favorite part of history. So it was basically a field, like you said. Um, they would do those Olympic sports. Mm-hmm. Running, discus, javelin, wrestling, things like that. Um, so the thing about the Greeks... Is they trained for sports, right? Olympics, to and to improve their military skills. Obviously, we've talked about that before, but they also exercised to uh, attain and maintain the idealized body shape that we see in a lot of those Greek sculptures. Was that something? Was that some kind of like god worship thing? It usually is with those Greeks and Romans. Was it like we're trying to fit the Olympian ideal? To be more like the gods? Um, perhaps. Yeah. But, I mean, they were actually kind of just doing it to be pretty. Well, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, and two of the most famous gyms uh, were actually associated with philosophers. So the Academy with Plato, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Lyceum, which was home of the school run by Aristotle. Okay. Were those dudes ripped and I never knew it? Like, if we had seen you know Prince of Plato, was it like, was he just like jacked? Was they, he Hugh Jackman? They wore togas most of the time, so who knows what's going on. So, as far there. as we know, as far what as we you're know, you're saying is, as far as we know, those dudes Aristotle were totally had like ripped. a 14 pack. <laughs> he could lift a car above his head. He was wrestling horses to the ground. Okay. So, you heard it here first, folks. At that point, um, gyms largely disappear uh, until the medieval period. Okay. Uh, and then the 
the concept of the gym is preserved during the medieval period through ancient um, scrolls and things like that, but they were mostly just ideas maintained by doctors and monks. And then the revival of interest in actual physical training uh, started during the Renaissance, but again, purely academic. So like they found the scrolls, they were like, that looks cool. Let's learn about it. So what you're telling me is a bunch of nerdos found the scrolls about working out that very interesting. I'm going to read all about this. Yep. Uh, listen, can I just say? My type of people. Totally mm-hmm. get that. Then in Berlin in 1811, Napoleon beat the Prussians um, and the Prussians were upset. So... <laughs> <laughs> So in order to restore national pride and defeat the French the next time, there was a Prussian schoolmaster called Frederick Jan, perhaps, um, and he established an open-air gymnasium at Hassenheide, which is a suburb of, Brit- of uh, Berlin, and he called it Turnplatz, or Exercise Field. Nice. So I here it is that. again. So we're back to a, a field. Again. Uh Track and field. Track and field. Got it. He also organized more of training like gymnastics training, parallel bars, vaulting horse, high bar, things like that. So he took the track and field and added those things. So this term plots was the actual like a civic aim to improve the physical fitness of the Prussian people to make them better soldiers and avenge their humiliating defeat. I see. Well, I don't see, but I get it. <laughs> it's it's so it's so weird because as we talk about all this, and you talk about the like, sedentary lifestyle and everything, like I think about this idea of like everybody used to be worried about wars, everybody used to farm, everybody used to have to like build their own houses, everybody had to like walk into town to like get stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like there was a need for physical fitness. That I just don't, now people get physically fit to win competitions. Right, and I'm going to talk about that. Okay. Okay. But, like, that's the thing. But we still maintain it as a goal in the same way, which is, like, the idea of, if we look at it from an evolutionary standpoint, the idea of, like, picking your mate based on how muscular they are, it's 2016. That doesn't mean anything anymore. Like, but it still is a thing that, like, we seem drawn to or seem to believe people are drawn to. I have lots of strong feelings on this. Okay. But the idea of, like... Well, this person is more muscular, so they'd be a better partner. It's like, what, to fight off wolves? They might live longer. But, I mean, they spend that time in the gym. I'd rather they're home with me watching Netflix. Well, all right. And I'm not saying that just because you're muscular, you're healthier. That is not true. I just said they might live longer. Yes. Just like anybody might live longer. Anyway, now emerges our, our concept of the modern gym. In the middle of the 19th century, vaudeville strongman turned fitness entrepreneur, Hippodel Triet. Maybe? Wow. One more time? Hip, hip, wait a second. It says he's French. So, Hippotle. I like to. Hippotle. (laughs) Uh, And he is credited with being the first one to open up a commercial gym 
Uh, he made one in Brussels and then later in Paris. Um, and it was a vast covered space of iron and glass. Ooh. So it sounds kind of like a, a, a greenhouse. Okay. Yeah. So this is where we get things uh, which would now be called uh, circuit training. Uh, where he combined calisthenic movement, movements with lightweight training uh, with dumbbells and barbells and things like that. Um, and he actually, he called this the gymnase. Gymnase. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> gymnase. Well, gymnase is sound like second. what you do at the gymnasium. Hold on, hold on. I'm going to go do a gymnase at the gymnasium. I think it may be gymnas. No, I like gymnase better. Oh, wait a second. Uh-huh. Mayonnaise has an I in it. Uh-huh. So we say A's, but this doesn't have an gymnase. I. So gymnase. Gymnase. I'm going to go gymnase at the gymnasium. And yep. okay. Yeah, I think we nailed it. I think we got there. And it unashamedly embraced aesthetic training as its main aim. So what we were so, talking yeah, about. Yeah, so you're building definition is what you're talking about. Like, because that's the thing. That's the trick. People might be like super defined. That doesn't mean they're strong. It just right. means that they have definition. That's why if you ever watch those like strongman competitions where they're like flipping huge like concrete filled tires and they kind of look like. Oh, they they look a little dumpy. It's like, yeah, it's because they're not out working like to get that line around their mm-hmm. bicep. They're just lifting like barrels full of stones. You know what I mean? They're just getting huge. Well, so after World War One, um, what happens, particularly in the U.S., is that there is a segregation almost of gyms. So it's like what you were talking about where there's like these fantasy gyms full of these beautiful muscular men building muscles for the sake of muscles. And then there's a real gym, I'd say, quote, real gym, uh, which is more for amateurs, people who are not bodybuilders and women uh, who uh, historically were not interested in building muscle. Mm -hmm. Uh, Good representatives of this would be Gold's Gym in Venice, which is a pretty famous gym, and it, it actually was where um, Arnold Schwarzenegger and other pro bodybuilders built their muscles for their Mr. Universe and Mr. Olympia contests, right? For those of you who've never been, if you go to Venice where, like, Muscle Beach is... Oh, yeah. It's really uh, pretty much, I would say, maybe exactly what you think it is if you think it's this, and that is, like, it's just like a pin in the middle of the boardwalk, in the middle of the, the you know, sidewalk... That you have to have a membership to get into. So you can't just like walk in and start lifting weights in the middle of Muscle Beach. But it's just all of these very strong muscular people putting themselves on display for tourists walking by while they work out. Well, I mean, that's kind of part of the point, right? Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. That's exactly what it is. Is they are going, yep, I know how I look. Look at me. It's very uh, interesting, I would say, is the word I would use. Um. So then comes... The aerobics revolution, popularized popularized by Jane Fonda. I've heard of her, yes. Um, where these gyms now added cardio equipment, like bikes and treadmills and cross trainers and group exercise studios for her aerobics classes, or yoga or whatever else you'd like to do, Pilates, things like that. Jazzercise. Um, which took... <laughs> yes, jazzercise. Maybe you want to do yoga Pilates. <laughs> which took place... Next to the regular traditional things like weight training and stuff. So one of the things that is um, is kind of 
a byproduct of these two types of gyms, right? Is that they, the one, the fantasy gym for sure, really only caters to people who are already pretty physically fit. People whose like genetics are so inclined that like that's how their body looks after about a day of working. <laughs> Not only that, but also they're experienced. If they have these type of muscles that they're building, they they understand a lot more maybe about that kind of thing, or at least they've been doing it already. Yes. Um, whereas the other gym, kind of the quote real gym we talked about, almost aspires to be the other one where it's like a stepping stone, right? So you you go to the real gym to get your experience and once you've you've gotten that level, you go to the fantasy gym almost. Mm. And this this is kind of a, a fallacy because what 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 uh for profit gyms especially want to do is they want to get a lot more people in there, more memberships, more people going. Um, so if you only cater to the part of the population that's already exercising, you're not getting all of the people giving you all of their money, right? So that's kind of the, the aim for gyms today. And that's, I think, where a lot of our resolution talk comes from. We see these beautiful, perfect bodies and working out on the treadmill at the gym advertisement. And you're like, oh, I want to be like that. I'm going to resolve in the next year. It's, yeah. yeah, it's aspirational. So that's one of the marketing techniques that they use to try and get people's money. What? For-profit gyms are in it for profit? Yes. Yes. I've always wondered how much of the revenue from like for-profit gyms, like they just have like in the pie chart, a huge wedge of it that's just labeled like people who forgot they still have a membership. <laughs> like they like, have to get... Like Travis McElroy. Yeah, Travis McElroy people. Because like <laughs> you, you check in like when you get to the gym, so they have to keep track of like how often you come. Oh, so yeah. So there has to be like a folder somewhere of like people who haven't come for like 13 months but are still like giving them money. And well, like, the name of your gym shall remain nameless, but there's a reason why in order to cancel your membership, they emailed you a form for you to mail in. You could not tell them on the phone, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. You have to submit something. So they gave you extra steps so that it's harder for you to quit. Exactly. Anyway, so that's all of my little uh, gym background. Let's take some questions. Okay, great. Um, we are going to answer some of your questions, but first, here's a word from some other Max Fun shows. If you love podcasts, comedy, and creativity, and you're looking for some new friends to share them with, why not check out Max Fun Con 2017? Max Fun Con is a chance to get away from it all, spend a weekend laughing, and return inspired to create amazing things. Join us for Max FunCon in Lake Arrowhead in June or Max FunCon East in the Poconos in September and prepare yourself for one of the best weekends of your life. Tickets are on sale now at MaxFunCon.com. The great questions of your life. The great questions of your life. Should you put ketchup on a hot dog? Put ketchup on a hot dog. Toilet paper. Over or under. Toilet paper. Star Wars, Star or, Star Wars Trek. or Star Trek. Fear not, my friends. Not Mark and friends. Hal always reach the definitive answer. Simply listen to We Got This with Mark and Hal every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Pacific on Maximum Fun. Fun. We Got This. Your better self is right around the corner. Namaste. All right, folks, we're back. 
Uh, we have a lot of questions. I was I was very proud of our listeners. This is a topic that we were uh, that we've been hesitant to do for a while because we always try to stay away from subjects that we think are just going to turn into like complaining about how terrible other people are. Well, see, the thing is, the people who listen to our podcast are concerned about proper etiquette. So they notice these kind of things that maybe other people don't notice. So they, uh, it is very common for one to ask questions regarding the other. Um, and we usually ask for questions about what we should do because Emily Post says that the best way to spread proper etiquette and be well-mannered is to make a good example. Um, and so we have lots of questions here that you all <laughs> sent in. Um, in regards to how you can be better uh, gym uh, attendees. And I appreciate that. So uh, this first one uh, comes from Cameron. And Cameron asks, I have free access to the campus gym at my university. I'm a 27-year-old grad student who doesn't know how to use the gym but would like to learn. How does one go about learning to use the gym when they don't have any friends who are interested? Well, I would first say that there is usually a lot of literature available at these gyms telling you how to use the equipment. It might even be just posted on the side of the equipment. A lot um, of those fancy schmancy yeah. focus on a specific like core, you know, muscle kind of thing has a diagram like right there on it. Now you might feel a little silly, like sitting down, peering over, putting your hand in place, peering over, but like, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so make sure that you read all the rules and obey the posted signs. Um, and even at college gyms, they are, they are often staffed. So make, take advantage of the staff that's there. And if, and if they don't um, explain to you to your satisfaction, take a picture of your machine and go on the internet and find out someone who does. Yeah, YouTube, man. It's a, it's a real great resource. Um, I will also say something, uh, somebody asked, and I'll get to it here eventually, I'm sure, um, about, like, uh, if you, like, sign up for a Fort Profit gym and they have, you know, personal trainers, the gym that I signed up for was like, hey, and you get one free session with a personal trainer. Uh, okay, this is anecdotal and personal, and this is not me telling you across the board, because I'm sure everyone's experiences are different. My experience with it is, one... The price you will pay for hiring the gym's personal trainer is way higher than you would get just hiring a personal trainer because they have to pay out to the gym too. So you're both paying the gym's cut and the personal trainer's cut. Mm -hmm. um, and because they work for the gym, you're going to feel a lot of pressure from them to do stuff specific to that gym and that kind of thing. I... Um, Renee Colvert, who you may know from Can I Pay Your Dog, was my personal trainer for a while and really just, like, would send me links to stuff and, like, videos and walk me through. And she'd come over and, like, walk through different exercises and stretches and everything and then give me a list of stuff to do when I was at the gym in a playlist that I could watch on my phone while I was, like, on the treadmill getting ready to go up and do the machines and stuff. So I would say, um, you know, maybe you know, see if there's a club on campus or there's someone you know that maybe in exchange for 
tutoring or in exchange for driving them around town if they don't have a car that they'll give you some lessons at the gym that kind of thing and if you do spot a personal trainer at the gym that you're at um, do make sure that they are not working with a client but they are available to help you um, because you you wouldn't want to cut into somebody else's time Uh, this is from susan locker room rules bare feet towels versus nudity bench usage Two lockers in a corner where only one person fits at a time. Whoa, there's a lot of stuff in there. Um, So I do recommend that you wear shoes in the locker room because there are a lot of people walking through there, um, sometimes wearing shoes that they might have worn outside. So I do recommend flip-flops, shower shoes, so that you can keep yourself clean if that's the aim of yourself in the locker room. Um, what was the next one? Towels? Towels versus nudity. Um, I recommend that you take a towel with you if you are moving from one place to another. But if you are changing from one set of clothing to another set of clothing, there's no reason for you to cover yourself up to do that. You're just moving from one to the other. Um, Try not to do too many hygiene things there. Uh, I would say if it's not a hair on your head, you should leave it alone and take care of that at home. Okay. Um, And as far as locker etiquette, is there anything? Um, A lot of lockers are assigned at gyms. And if it's not assigned, a lot of people have the same locker that they tend to go to over and over again. Um, With the two lockers in the corner... Uh, that sounds like just a, a poor happenstance. I don't, I don't know of, uh, of anyone who would purposely choose a corner locker just because you have the other corner locker. Um, I know that, uh, the gyms I've been to in the past, everyone is supposed to bring a lock with them, mm -hmm. lock the locker while they're at the gym and then take the lock with them when they leave. Right. They're not lockers left for you to use um i i would also say that unless it's super crowded i think it's natural to leave a little space between the lockers not because it's so uncomfortable to be that close to a human just because you need room to like get dressed and you know like sit down and tie your shoes and that kind of thing absolutely and if there's only two of you in the room there's no reason (laughs) to pick the side-by-side lockers right um this is from rose if you don't really sweat do you have to wipe down the machines I recommend doing it. Maybe if you haven't touched a lot of stuff, you don't have to do like a super thorough job. But it's there for a reason. And maybe the person uh, before you didn't wipe it down. And I know that's kind of gross that maybe you touched it. But pass it on, you know. Um, They have the little spray bottles or some places have wet wipes that you can use. It doesn't take that long. I do recommend that you wipe down the equipment. Um, this is from Rebecca. Am I being super awkward by just pathetically waiting for the squat rack to be free? Should I just muster up the courage and join the queue? Um, a lot of people take time in between their sets. So you can ask uh, if there, I mean, I guess if there's a line, someone's probably already asked if they can work in between sets. So if someone's using the squat rack. They do their reps of 10, and then they take a rest. Uh, If you walk up to them and ask them, you know, 
patiently and politely to say, can I work in between your sets? Then two people can use a squat rack while one person rests and then the other one uses it. Um, But if there is a line, I would have to assume that someone has already asked to use the squat rack and um, not everyone is as considerate as we would like them to be. So um, join the queue or you're probably never going to get in there. I would also say, and a line of people is different, but if there's somebody like really truly monopolizing, like the only, like if there's like one squat rack and it's like this guy's been on it for an hour and a half straight or something mm-hmm. and he won't let anyone step in and use it between a set, go to the people at the desk and be like, hey, I've been waiting to use the squat rack forever and there's someone who's really like monopolizing it because they don't own it. Like the thing is, is yeah. like, it, it's ruder of them to monopolize the only version of that machine than it is for you to go get someone to like tell them to like spread it out a little bit. And a lot of machines, especially cardio equipment, they have um, maximum time that you're allowed on there. A lot of places it's 30 minutes. Some places it's an hour, depending upon how many machines they have. But um, obey all those posted times. And if you feel like someone is not obeying them, and you, you know, that's the only machine there. I, I agree, politely and kindly. Sometimes Schmanners is about judging whether the thing you're about to do is ruder than the thing they're already doing. Yeah. And I think in this case, it, it, because you are a conscientious person, you'd probably feel bad doing it. But like your time is worth just as much as their time, and like you're paying just as much to be a member of the gym as they are. So you have just as much, you know, entitlement to using machines as they do. And if they don't respect that, then I think it's okay to go get somebody. Um, Let's see. This is from Sophie. Oh, this is a good question. Um, How long can you use a single machine? Is it rude to rest between sets on the machine if the gym is empty? I mean, if no one is waiting for it, usually those posted times don't don't apply as much. Um, if the, if the place is empty, I'd say you pretty much can rest wherever you like. Um, but if there are people waiting to use it or if the gym is crowded, you know, people might just be waiting on other machines to use the machine that you are using. Um, so if it's crowded, you should step off and let someone else do it, but you know, communicate with this person, tell them I, I, I'm using this machine, but you're welcome to get in, in my sets, uh, while I'm resting. Um, and that might be a good way to form new friendships, new gym friendships. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Somebody you can say hi to before you guys start that's, out. I think that's another thing, uh, uh, Cameron, and other people who are confused by gym things like I am. If you see somebody like using the machine and you feel like they seem pretty jovial and nice, I think it's fine to say, hey, I've never used that before. What do I need to know? You know, of the person using it before you. I I do think that you need to gauge that carefully, though, because um, they are they're not your teacher. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. You got to get a good vibe from them. You know, you've seen them smiling a lot. You've seen them talking to other people. Yeah. Given that like open energy, you know, read the room. Exactly. Um, And then uh, this question is uh, from Bailey. Bailey says, Teresa is a lifeguard, right? Please talk about lane swim etiquette. Passing and choosing lane speed and not taking over other people's equipment? Um, we covered this a little bit in one of our previous episodes, so I'll just give a couple of, um, of, of quick tips. The first one is the 
slower swimmers should be towards the outside of the pool, whereas the uh, faster swimmers get the middle lanes. This is, of course, unless your gym has other rules but like right right yeah there's also the possibility that they're like no you know what for us it's this yeah normally um people will place equipment just outside of their lane um so if you see equipment on the floor and someone in the lane you can safely assume that they are using that and you can go get your own equipment um when you are passing someone uh you can uh, Normally, you'll wait until they rest at the wall to pass them. So if someone is resting, standing at the wall, you can go ahead of them. Um, But you can also request that you split a lane, which is like kind of like you use the middle line to make an invisible wall and you stay on one side, the other person stays on the other. Um, Or you should speak to the people in your lane about circle swimming, where you swim like a road down the right side and back up. Um, But make sure that you check out all of the posted signs because a lot of this stuff is going to be on there and it'll tell you exactly what to do there. Uh, This is from Dan. Is grunting okay? Um, If you can not avoid it. Involuntary grunting? Fine. Yes. I remember being at the gym and the uh, aerobics, like the cardio, the treadmill area was right below like the weightlifting area. And I tell you what, if you're a weightlifter, don't drop weights. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't I don't care if you tell me like, no, I got to push myself. So the weights have to if they're so heavy, you can't set them down. Don't do it, because especially if there's people below you, like it's very unconscientious inconscient it's very rude to like drop things on people's heads more or less and i also have seen that where if you if you have to grunt every time if that's like your thing maybe tone it down you know what i mean maybe like you shouldn't be on the phone having a loud conversation as you walk through other people working out you shouldn't grunt like not obsessively not constantly one of my sources states that grunting can be seen as egotistical and uh, attention look at me, grabbing. Look at me. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so natural grunting occasionally when you're lifting things heavy are probably okay in like a hardcore gym where everyone's doing that kind of thing. Yeah. But again, you need to read the room and if you can't lift it without grunting, you might need a smaller weight. Um, this question is uh, from Sky. What do you do if you're there with a friend, but you prefer doing the actual exercising alone? Honest open communication with your friend. (laughs) And before you get there, too. Before you get there, yeah. Make sure that you guys have talked this over. I mean, if if you guys go, you go in the door, and then you move to separate machines. Hey, I'll meet you in 25 minutes over at the Stair Steppers. Great. Um, that's, that's, but you need to let you need to let them know that that's your your jam. Especially if it's the gym is divided into lots of different areas, and like you start off in like the weight area or the machine area, and they want to move to the aerobics. You don't want them waiting for you. You don't want to sit there staring at them while they finish up there. All of that is just like, hey, once we get there, I'll wave at you if we pass each other. But like, I kind of have to like get in. The, but that way, I think if you don't talk about it till you get there. Now it's a thing of like, hey, don't talk to me while we're here. Like that, I don't like that. Um, 
This is from Emily. I like to use the bench, but typically go to the gym solo. What's the best way to ask someone to spot me without feeling awkward? Um, I would say that you can tell the people who are willing to help. Um, and again, take advantage of the staff at the gym. They, they are supposed to be knowledgeable about the equipment and spotting techniques and things like that. So hopefully someone can help you there. Um, but if there isn't really anyone to, to help, I would say that you need to, you need to limit your, your really heavy lifting to where you can bring someone with you because it's dangerous. Please don't do super heavy weights without a spot. I would also say that, um, you know, especially if you see someone else by themselves at the machines, offer an exchange of saying like, hey, are you looking for a spot? I'll spot for you if you'll spot for me. And they might say no. Oh, okay, great. Thank you. Like, but I think offering exchange is way better than saying, hey, would you spot for me? And then walking away, you know? <laughs> yes, I do. That is a good alternative. Uh, this is from Oldest Newbie on Twitter, and it's going to feed into another question in a second. But what is the etiquette about watching others to see what they are doing so I can figure out ways to improve slash new ideas? Well, you should never stare. Um, I would say that... It's perfectly acceptable to watch someone receive training, um, but limit it to one or two reps if you're watching them. <laughs> yeah, I would say that my hesitation would be that no matter what your intention is, unless you like call out to them like, I'm just getting new ideas from my workouts. Like, very rare is the person, and they do exist. Don't get me wrong, we were just talking about like people grunting and people showing off and everything. But most of the time, people go to the gym and they just want to like tunnel vision, you know, and not they're not there showing off. And you don't mm -hmm. know which people are which. You don't know which people are self-conscious. We got a question that I don't think we're going to get to. But somebody asked about like, how do you tell people that even encouragement makes them self-conscious because it's attention that they don't want? And that's I would say that anyone who has headphones on or in does not want to talk to you. Yeah, I think in general, especially in the day and, day and age, the information age of YouTube and all of that, if you want to learn new technique, you can do it at home. And I, the reason I wanted to tie this in is um, we got a question from Betsy. You said, how do I deal with people giving my body wonky looks? I'm a big woman and gyms can be scary and intimidating because all the physically fit folks who can be mean. And one, to uh, oldest newbie, the problem is you don't, like, nobody knows why you're looking at them. And as we were saying, if someone is coming in a little self-conscious, it's very easy for them to misread. But I would also say, Betsy, to your question, um, and not to get a little preachy, but I will, no matter how... <laughs> No matter how attractive someone's outside is, if they judge someone else, their insides are nasty. And that's, I would much rather be nice than look nice. And to anyone who's self-conscious at the gym, put those headphones in and screw the haters, you know? Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, you go to the gym to get healthy. And anyone who doesn't appreciate and respect that, their opinions don't matter. Like, if they're judging your appearance and not the fact that you are interested in your health, then their opinions don't matter. You know what I mean? Like you're like they're 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 farts. They <laughs> you... are farts, and they don't matter. And they're farts. Okay. Okay. All the right. farts, Teresa. Right. Betsy just seems nice, and I'm glad she listens to the show. Sorry, I got a little heated there, folks. You guys aren't farts. You're wonderful, and thank you for listening to the show. Um, 
So before we let you go, I want to let you know a couple of things. First, uh, we here at uh, Travis and Teresa McRoy Industries just want to say how very proud we are. Um, Griffin McRoy, our younger brother, was named one of Forbes's uh, 30 under 30 in media. Yes, congratulations, Griffin. We're just so gosh darn proud. Um, and speaking of Griffin, we're even more excited. Uh, Griffin and his wife, Rachel, they do a podcast called Rose Buddies, where they talk about The Bachelor, Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise, and other reality dating shows. And they have just joined Max Fun. No exaggeration. It is my favorite podcast on the planet. I've re-listened to old episodes. Even if you don't like Bachelorette or dating shows or anything like that, they are so funny and so interesting. They transcend the need to actually watch the subject matter that they're talking about. <laughs> Although you have been making me watch it. And I will continue to do so because they inspire me. They created all these fantasy league rules for Bachelor. It's super fun. Uh, but I can't recommend it enough. It is my, no joke, my favorite podcast. Um, and it's on Maximum Fun now. And you should go check out all the other amazing Maximum Fun shows. There's a ton on there. It's a new year. It's time for some new podcasts. Check them out. You're going to love them. Um, also want to say thank you. We've gotten a lot of new stuff uh, to the to the uh, P.O. Box. People. Lots of letters and postcards. Thank you so much. Which we appreciate. A lot of people sent like their holiday cards, like their family, you know, kind of uh, pictures of them and their loved ones and their animals, which is always appreciated. And it's just very nice. Thank you for that. Um, let's see what else. Um, we're just so thankful you've joined us once again for 2017. And if you uh, have a second, maybe go on iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe. It only takes a second, but it does mean a lot to us. It's nice to see us kind of climb up those charts. Um, we also want to say thank you to everybody for being patient once again with an uh, inconsistent release schedule. I promise we will continue to do our best to get episodes out to you in a timely manner. But, you know, we got a baby. Um, and that is sometimes, sometimes you just want to stay in your robe and watch TV all day. Uh, and you just can't deal with it because the baby's screaming at you. But she's <laughs> really wonderful and we love her very much. Um Let's see what else, Teresa. Well, I want to say thank you to Brent, Brent of Lost Black, for our theme song um, that's available as a ringtone wherever those are found. I don't, iTunes, I suppose. Yeah, I guess. And then um, also thank you to Kayla M. Wassel for our beautiful banner and thumbnail art. Go check out her portfolio. Uh, oh, I also want to let people know, if you are in San Francisco or if you're going to be at Sketchfest, um, Next weekend, uh, Friday the 13th and 14th, I will be in San Francisco. Uh, on the 14th, I am going to be appearing in uh, Jordan Jesse Go at 1 o'clock, I believe, and Joseph Scrimshaw's Obsessed at 4.30, um, talking about video games. Um, I don't know what I'll be talking about, Jordan Jesse Go. Probably funny stuff that'll be really charming and interesting. So if you're in the San Francisco area or if you're traveling in uh, for Sketchfest, I hope to see you there. Um, let's see. What else? Join our Facebook group. Uh, we'll have more episodes. The baby's crying. Um, thank you to Emily Post and to, uh, all of our other wonderful resources. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's call it there so we can feed this baby. All right. So thank you very much, folks. Join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it? MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture.
Artist owned. Listener supported.